0: Let's read God's Word this evening from Mark chapter 4 and from a portion of Mark chapter 5. Mark 4, I'm going to read the first verse of the chapter and then skip down to verse 35. Mark 4 verse 1, and he began to teach by the seaside. And there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship, and sat in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And That's how he taught the people, from a boat that was just a few yards out into the sea. And then verse 35, and verses 35 through 41 is our text for tonight. I'm not going to reread that. And the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master... Carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind, and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly, and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? And they came over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And he besought him much, that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was there nigh to the mountains a great herd of swine feeding, and all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine, that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about two thousand, and were choked in the sea. At that point, we read God's holy and inspired word. Our text is verses 35 through 41 of chapter 4. I won't reread that. The history of Jesus calming the storm on the Sea of Galilee. Beloved of God, in our text, the Holy Spirit reveals the Lord Jesus Christ in both his full humanity and his full divinity. Who can doubt the full and real humanity of the Lord Jesus Christ as you observe him there in the hinder part of that ship sleeping while this storm is raging and the boat is rocking and the rain is falling upon his face. As we read in verse 1 of the chapter, the Lord has been teaching the people all day from a little boat a few yards off of the shore And the Lord is utterly exhausted. So that by the time of our text, when they get into the boat and head out to the other side, almost immediately on the sailor's pillow that's in the hinder part of that boat, the Lord falls asleep. In fact, this is the only place in the Bible where we observe the Lord Jesus sleeping. And as we see him in his exhaustion, Sleeping in that ship, we ought to think, this is truly a man. But at the same time, who can fail to see the full divinity of the Lord Jesus Christ as he rises up and rebukes the wind and the sea, crying out, Peace, be still in the wind and the sea. Obey him. This is a man, yes, but he's not merely a man. He's also fully god And in fact, that's the main point of the writing of Mark by inspiration in this section of his gospel account. Beginning here and entering through into chapter 5 and all the way through chapter 5, Mark presents us really with a lineup of the most terrifying things to us. There's first here great storms. Terrible acts of God in the weather. And then, in the beginning of chapter 5, there is demonic activity with this legion that Christ casts out of this man. And then, if you keep going, there is a woman with an issue of blood disease that ravages the body. And then finally, in Mark chapter 5, there is death itself. And the Lord is presented in this gospel account, in this section, as Lord over all of those things. He calms the wind and the waves. He calls the demon out and it must obey him. He says to that woman with the issue of blood, you're healed when you touch my garment. And He says to the woman who's dead, Talitha Kumi, damsel arise, Here, the Lord is being presented as the sovereign over all things, even the most terrible things and most powerful things that touch us in our lives. Behold your God, not only man, but God also. And understand that not only with your head, but understand it with your heart as the divinity of the Lord Jesus Christ is meaningful for you and the fears that you face, and the storms that you encounter in your own life. Jesus calms the storm. Let's Notice first the storm, second the calm, and third the response. The storm, the calm, and the response. This was no ordinary storm <clears throat> that the disciples faced on the Sea of Galilee. The Greek word here, for this storm is not the usual word for storm, but it's a more intensive word that indicates a more intensive storm. Something like a tempest. Picture dark clouds and lightning and thunder and torrential pouring of rain and gale-force winds that are whipping the Sea of Galilee up into a turvy. In Job 38, verse 1, the Greek translation of the Old Testament uses this same Greek word to describe the whirlwind out of which God appears to Job. This is a whirlwind that the disciples are facing on the Sea of Galilee. Maybe hearing that, your first thought is, well, why did they set sail when there is such a storm going on? Well, the answer to that is that it wasn't going on when they set sail. The Sea of Galilee is famous still today for how quickly storms can rise up on that sea. There's a mountain range that almost curves around the Sea of Galilee. And at times, winds from the southwest will come up off the Mediterranean Sea into that Area inside this mountain range and they will whip around and stir up the Sea of Galilee causing these great and terrible storms suddenly like this. The worst of them are in the evening and that's when it is in our text, verse 35. And when it reached even he said to his disciples let us go to the other side. So don't picture this occurring to the, during the middle of the day, but this is after supper, dusk. It's getting dark out and now these clouds suddenly come in and the wind is blowing, not just blowing straight, but it's blowing in a circle and whipping up the sea so violently that these men who are fishermen and who are used to being on this sea are so scared that they think they're going to die. just as God has determined. Just because we know so much now about how weather patterns work and how storms rise up on the Sea of Galilee in particular, don't think that this storm is merely the result of weather patterns or Mother Nature's random acts. This is God himself. Sending this storm at precisely the time when he wants a storm to be sent. and Precisely with the strength in which he wants it to be. God is in control of the weather. All the weather. Every storm comes according to his predeterminate counsel. Any storm today. Any hurricane that batters the coast. Any great storm that does damage to the land. Any beautiful day like the crisp fall days we've had recently, is all part of God's perfect plan in the weather itself, a servant to the accomplishing of God's purpose. It's part of the puzzle, all of its pieces that come together and accomplish God's plan to glorify His Son, Jesus Christ, and to gather and defend and preserve to Himself a church. Normally, we have no idea How the weather fits into that. But here in this text, we can see one instance where it does. There are spiritual things the disciples had to learn, had to learn from the weather that day. God sent this storm into their lives as they were traveling to the other side. God sends storms, not now the physical storms, but God sends storms into our lives too as we're traveling to the other side. Every single one of his children faces them in their life. The church faces them. Always she has. It's not the case, beloved, that that hellish doctrine of the health and wealth gospel is correct, that if there's ever a storm in your life, well, then you know that you don't have faith, or at least not very strong faith, or you're not walking in the ways of the Lord. If you had strong faith, if you were walking in a way that was pleasing to God, there would be no storms in your life. Absolutely not. God sends storms to his people and to his church often. Of course, it can be the case that he sends a storm into the life of his people or into the life of the church. Teach them something. And as a consequence even of sin, everyone must examine themselves in storms and see, is there a way that I am offending my God, rebelling against him? Even the church must examine herself. We must in the midst of this storm. Nonetheless, God sends storms, sends them often into our lives. Perhaps there's a medical issue that comes upon you that you were not expecting. Perhaps there are circumstances outside of the control of yourself that you just can't get a handle on as much as you would like because they're being done to you from the outside of you. There's nothing you can do to stop it. God sends storms and they can arise so suddenly in our lives at times is this storm came so suddenly upon the Sea of Galilee. Of course, those disciples looked out upon the Sea of Galilee, and they looked up at the sky, and they said, it looks all clear. For the foreseeable future, it's going to be smooth sailing, and then they get out onto the sea, and God hurls a storm at them. How often don't we do this in our life? We look ahead in our life, and it looks all clear. We have everything under control. Our financial situation is is right where we want it to be. The kids are doing well. Things are going the right direction, it looks like, for the foreseeable future. There's smooth sailing and clear skies, and then God hurls a storm at us. And the boat is rocking, and it's filling up. Rain is falling. Why does he do this? He does this for at least these two reasons, and always for at least these two reasons. First, That we might know ever more deeply our utter dependence upon Him. Our own weakness, our own frailty, our own insecurity, our own neediness, and our own sin. And then second, that we might learn ever more deeply His faithfulness, His dependability, his powerful grace. His mercy. His truth. The solid rock that He is. There are things about the Christian life, beloved. It's not that we cannot learn them any other way. We can Learn them in other ways. But the manner in which we learn them. Is only taught to us in storms. And we need to learn it that way. Where things that are in our head become now real to us. Experientially real to us. Faith is strengthened in storms. It becomes a a heart thing and a reality in our life. Of course, it's easy to say when everything's going well, the way we want it to go, that he's sovereign. I confess that. And everything in my life is his work of sovereignty in my life. And it's even from that position easy to say, And if he would hurl a storm at me, I would know that he's sovereign, and I would be at peace with that because he's God. But then when it actually comes, and the pressure is there upon us, how weak we can find ourselves, how full of doubts and fears. We're forced to see our own weakness. I thought I wouldn't struggle with fear. I do. I'm terrified, Lord. And then we cry out to him in our neediness. Find him as he is, our strong tower. That's what he's doing with these disciples here in this storm. He's strengthening their faith. When the Lord says <clears throat> in verse 40, that... How is it that you have no faith? His point, of course, is not that they're unbelievers. They have faith in its basic form. Where is your faith in this situation? How is it you have no faith here in the midst of this storm? They knew who he was, though. They knew he was trustworthy. But that faith was untested. It was unformed. It was not deep. This is early in the gospel accounts. And it needed To be strengthened. It was there in principle. But it needed to grow and develop as a deep spiritual muscle in their lives. And just like our muscles cannot grow and develop except when they have to push against pressure. So too the spiritual muscle of faith. It cannot grow and develop except in the midst of storm. Peter certainly felt like he would never deny the Lord while he was standing there with the Lord in a position of confidence. He really meant that. Though all men forsake you, Lord, I won't. But it's a whole other thing. When all men have have forsaken the Lord and there you are alone and the Lord is under arrest and the whole thing is going upside down and the pressure is there. Why are you so fearful? Why does God send storms? He sends storms to show us that we're afraid of storms. And that we need him. Terribly we need him. Why are you so fearful? They weren't afraid when they were on the shore with him when he was teaching. In the boat, just a few yards off the shore. Oh, we trust him, of course. We trust him, but now, when the pressure comes, it all changes. So that, in fact, there's two storms in this text, isn't there? There's the storm that is going on around the disciples. But then there's the storm that's rising in intensity inside the disciples, the farther into this storm, they get a storm of doubts and of fears. That happens with us so often too, doesn't it? All the questions, stormy questions, rise up within us, doubt and trouble. What's going to happen now? Are we going to make it? What does the future look like? We thought it looked like this and it doesn't look like this anymore. What's going to happen? How are we going to handle this situation? What are we going to do here? What is the outcome going to possibly be? And then this, and does he not care that I'm drowning here in this storm? Master, carest thou not that we perish? That's a stormy question. Have you ever asked it? In the midst of your storms? Don't you see what's going on right here? We're about to perish. Everything is falling apart, Master. What are you sleeping? Here you are sleeping. Do you not care? Are you ignoring the situation? Are you dead to my trouble? Are you not interested in the fact that I'm sinking? Verily, thou art a God that is afar off, and who hidest thyself, O God of Israel. A storm brews within, questions and fears and doubts and troubles. Then God's people cry out to him in the midst of that, don't they? Reach out for him with faith. Lay hold of him. Oh, Master, wake up. See me. Care for me. We draw near to him. Faith is exercised, everything else is stripped away. And this becomes the only thing faith looks for him, seeks him, cries out out of the realization of my own weakness and out of my own need. Master. Yes, of course, the Lord accuses them for their lack of faith, and rightly so. But at least they cry out to the right one. Master, at least they know if they can get his attention, then they will be safe. At least they believed that in him there is hope to be found. And they were fervent in their appeal to him. Master, master, storms draw that out of us, don't they? All the other things that we relied upon all of a sudden are sinking sand. And he really is the only solid rock. God's people cry out for him. They reach to him. Never pray like you pray in storms. It's impossible. But in storms, you hold on to him in prayer for dear life. God's people never read the word like they do in storms and hold on to passages of scripture that are so dear, a solid rock for them. Do you have any storm texts, beloved? passages of scripture that have been dear to you in the midst of a storm and you hold on to it. a promise of Jehovah God. But every time you come across it in the scripture, a whole time period of life, a stormy time period comes up in your mind. This is a storm text for me. God's people who are older, ask them sometime. They will tell you. They have more of them. Passages of scripture that have been so dear to them in their life. That they've been like health to their navel and marrow to their bones. These are the words of Jehovah God that I hold on to with everything in me in the midst of this storm. These storms drive us to Christ. Christ who alone is our comfort and hope and answer. In the midst of the storm, whether we're talking now about the storm that is raging outside of us or the storm that is raging inside of us. We're driven by both to our help in Christ. A Christ who we may see here in this text. Himself in the boat of our life. And himself in the boat of the church. Who has not abandoned it. And a Christ who himself is so calm that he's sleeping at peace in the midst of the storm. Someone said once, I don't know what the greater miracle is in this passage, the fact that he rose up Calm the storm, peace be still, or the fact that somehow he was able to sleep through the midst of it. But what a contrast between the peaceful Savior at sleep in the hinder part of that boat and the disciples with storms inside of them. Both in the same circumstances, the storm is around them both, but the Christ is utterly calm and at peace. And there within them are all these doubts and questions and fears. Why is the Lord at peace? Three reasons. Number one, he recognizes the fatherly care of his God over him. He is the son of God. And his father will care for him. Nothing shall be against him. Number two, He recognizes his own sovereignty as Lord of all in this situation, in any situation. The Lord Christ is not surprised when in a few moments he rises up and speaks to the wind and the waves and they obey him. He knows his absolute sovereignty over everything and that sovereignty gives him peace. Third, he's calm because he had determined to go to the other side. And his determination will always be accomplished. He didn't say to his disciples, let us attempt to go to the other side. Let's get in the boat and see if we make it. But let us go to the other side. To the other side then, he will go. His word will not fall to the ground. His determination is the determination of his father. Therefore, he rests. Is weary, exhausted human body and mind, even in the midst of a hurricane going on. Thereby teaching his disciples and us how it is that this storm may be calmed, even if this one going on around us remains. The same three ways. First, by the recognition, by the laying hold upon, by my mind and heart in faith of the fact that Father cares for me as his son or daughter. That from eternity he has set his electing love upon me. That he has sent his son to die for me. That this Christ has gone to his cross. And has held out his arms already and calmed the storm of wrath that should fall upon my head for my sin. It's called for that wrath of God, for my guilt to fall upon himself. And to consume him in it unto its end. Those three hours of darkness hurricane of father's wrath blowed through his mind and heart and soul. and He bore that storm of wrath for his people never to face it themselves. Therefore he's called me to himself and assured me that I am his son in this Jesus Christ and though This Christ is his natural son and I, his adopted son. We're both sons and father cares for us and makes all things work together for good for us. Secondly, the inner storm is calmed by the knowledge of his absolute sovereignty over all things. That he controls all the wind and the waves and every other thing that comes into my life. And that this sovereign one who controls all things is not far away from me. But he is right with me in the boat. Though others may jump ship and jump out of the boat of my life. Though others may jump out of the boat of the church. Christ remains. Where his church is known in truth. He's with his people. With all that sovereignty, he's with them. And he won't let anything that comes upon them destroy them. This passage was a favorite passage of the early church. and has been a favorite passage of the church probably from the earliest days through to the present in the catacombs, were found etchings on the walls of this story and of Jesus in the boat. He's in the boat with all of his sovereignty over all things. He's with us. Third, the calm is known by the fact that he tells us You will go to the other side. Not just he, but you with me, my people. He Didn't just say to his disciples, let me go to the other side, but let us go. And to the other side, not only will he go, but they will go with him. And he loses not one of them, neither does he of any of his children. He will lose none. And the storm will not take them, will not destroy them. But he will bring them to the other side. Fearful at times, though they may be, by the storm, pressed to look at him and to lay hold of him to be sure. He will take them to the other side. And sometimes, beloved, when that particular storm that goes on around us has accomplished its purpose. Perhaps only to set us off of ourselves and to see our own weakness and to set us on Him. Sometimes He'll rise up and calm that other storm outside of us too, not only the one inside, but the one outside. How comforting. That he responds to the cries of his disciples here. Though the storm itself could not wake the Lord Jesus. With torrents of rain pouring down upon his face. The cry of his disciples could. His ear was open to them. And it is to us too. Not because we say the right words. Now, because we pray the perfect prayer, because love for us is inside of him, and that keeps his ear always open to the cries of his people. Sometimes we can't even say words. Sometimes it's just groanings that the Spirit takes before the throne of grace and that the Spirit and the Christ interpret and understand fully and perfectly, but he hears, always he hears, Sometimes he will calm that storm going on outside, almost as suddenly in our life as it was hurled at us in the beginning. We've been brought to the end of ourselves. We've cried out to him and rested upon him. And that was the only purpose for the storm. And in the way of our cries, he calms it in his providence. Sometimes it doesn't go that way. Sometimes. The storm goes on yet and we cry and we cry and we cry and sometimes he waits till the last minute when it looks like the whole thing is going to sink. If it lasted for one more second and then he shows himself and he calms the storm to show who he is. I've got you. I've Always got you. Sometimes He doesn't calm the storm outside of us at all, does he? Remember that time similar to this passage where he came to the disciples. They were in the boat themselves. The storm was going on and he came to them to show them that he is with them in the storms. But then he got into the boat and he didn't deal with that storm outside. He calmed what was inside. But he left that storm going on outside. Sometimes he does that And he strengthens us in the storm so that we're able to bear it. Sometimes he takes us to glory in the midst of a storm. Remember that instance? There was a storm going on in the Sea of Galilee. And he comes walking to them on the water. And he gets into the boat. And we read, and immediately they're on the other side. Miraculously, they're just in a moment's notice at the other side. Sometimes... He takes us to the other side in the midst of the storm, and that's his preservation and care for us. Whatever it is, whether he calms the storm in our life or sustains us through it or even takes us to the other side in the midst of it, we come away knowing his power. And his grace. Because in it. He fixes our eyes. Upon himself. So marvelous. So glorious. So that this storm. That once took all my attention. Is not the main thing anymore. But him. Who is in it. And this boat that I was looking at. That I once trusted in, And now is breaking apart. I'm not looking at that either. But Him. They couldn't see anything else. Can you imagine it, beloved? They saw God himself in that boat with them. As he rises up and calms the storm, they knew as well as anybody else the truth of Jeremiah 31 verse 35 that only God is in control of the seas. And now here in the midst of this storm arises the Christ before all that he himself had first created and unfazed by the wind and the, and the rain that's pummeling his face. Peace, be still. And the voice of the Logos that set the wind and waves in motion in the beginning hears the powerful voice of the Lord over all and there is no argument there is no pushback. There is no dialogue. There is no hesitation. The very creation itself submits itself to the Lord of glory. Behold your God, Peter. Behold your God, John. It's no wonder they feared him exceedingly. You see that? In verse 40, they were afraid of the storm. In verse 41, they fear him. In verse 40, it says they feared the storm. In verse 41, it says they feared him exceedingly. As he shows his majesty and his greatness, his power and his love and his protecting care and his deep grace and his overtures of mercy to his people. We can't help but see him, our eyes focused upon him You come away with an awe, a reverence that I've been with the divine in the midst of the storm. You can't come away from storms as a Christian, beloved. Without that, that I've been on holy ground here. I've been with the Lord of glory. He's been in my boat in the midst of this. He's held me Showed himself to me. He's carried me through. That's how faith grows. By this unique teacher storms. As more and more trust builds, having gone through a few storms with him, fear melts away more and more. Not that there's no fear, there is. but Faith grows and trust grows. And more urgently and fervently and believingly we're able to say to ourselves, be still and know that he's God. He's with us in the boat. He'll care for us. As he takes us through all these storms of life. All the way to the other side. Amen. Let's pray. <clears throat> our Father in heaven, bless thy word to our hearing. Strengthen us by this word, we pray. That faith might be strong, that our eyes might be set upon our Savior, and our hope be found in him. In whose name we pray, amen.